So a little background in terms of what high protein, high fiber diets are, right? But here we want to understand how can they benefit physical and mental performance? And then what are the challenges that someone with ADHD might end up coming across? So for someone that's just looking to benefit from, you know, improving body composition and performance, just listen here, maybe stop halfway through if you really want to keep listening if you need a little more support. And so here, let's make sure we understand protein fiber, right? How is it going to benefit physical performance? Well, number one is going to be Hey, what's going on, beautiful people? This is Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, always here to fuel you. And several times a week, I'm delivering impactful five-minute shorts and amazing guest stories as we explore that intersection between satisfaction, satiety, and biological need. It's all to help you control and overcome binge eating, improve performance, and support your body composition goals. But hey, remember, if it's working for you, your health, your mindset, and your definition of success, no one deserves to tell you different. You do you. Fuel you. And here we go. We're back, and we're talking a little bit more meat and potatoes. We're getting back into a little bit of the meat and potatoes of sports nutrition, and we are bridging that gap, as I've promised you, with adult ADHD, those challenges uh, that individuals have with overall executive functioning and how we can bring these things together. Um, And so, again, we are coming to a topic that is propping up a lot of how we approach uh, physical performance and now making sure that we definitely touch on mental performance as we get deeper into brain-optimized metabolism, right? Making sure that we have a brain-first nutrition strategy, how it's going to benefit your body, the outcomes that you're looking for from a performance and a body composition standpoint. Are we there? We're good? All right, let's, we're swinging back around, making sure that we're getting back into uh, the areas that we know that we need to, but just the aside here, making sure that we are including uh, that adult ADHD community. So keep listening because we're really going to hit on some really relevant and uh, applicable um, points that are going to be something you want to take away from while listening to this. But first and foremost, making sure that we are touching again on the high protein and the high fiber diet. We've heard this so often from me, from other people in the industry, right? High protein and high fiber. There's so many benefits from a physical and a mental standpoint. Stay here with me because I will tell you all about them and you are going to want to implement this and then you're gonna understand the challenges that uh, you might be coming across as an individual with their executive functioning challenges, right? That adult ADHD or. And so here, we want to make sure that we understand what high protein and high fiber is. What does it mean, right? So when we're talking about high protein, high fiber, let's just keep it really simple, right? We're talking about protein options. We have eggs, we have fish, we have tofu, we have uh, meats, we have um, uh, pork's going to be in there. Uh, What we're not going to do is kind of bring in this idea of these really high fat options that tend not to really be a protein source, although they have protein in them. I mean, Broccoli has protein in it as an incomplete protein. But things that we really find as a big challenge in this world are when people start to use things just like nuts, seeds, nut butters as a protein source that are going to be very nutritionally dense but also very caloric. And that's going to be giving us a challenge with you know weight management, uh, body fat loss, um, and uh, all goals involving physical and mental performance. We want to include those foods, but not as a protein source most of the time. Uh, They can be 
included as a you know uh, a, co- a complementary protein um, as part of a meal, but they should not be thought of as a main protein source. It's going to challenge a lot of the goals that we are setting uh, out for, right? So those protein options. So say first meal of the day, call it breakfast, call it whatever you want to. We have eggs, maybe smoked salmon, maybe we're going to do some Greek yogurt. I'm definitely someone who loves to bring in certain things, just like some sort of like pre-cooked steak, pre-cooked chicken, and add that in with some sort of uh, fiber source, which we'll talk about in a second. When we're talking about lunches, obviously we have things just like tofu. We're going to have things just like uh, our beef, our fish, uh, canned tuna, all those type of things. Bring in some kind of legumes, uh, pair it up with another type of uh, starch source that's going to uh, be a complementary protein, but maybe with a lot, with uh, some sort of uh, in all these protein or a plant-based uh, protein that is going to make hitting protein goals easier. Same thing with dinner. We have snacks, we have protein shakes, we have whey, uh, plant-based proteins that can be uh, pea-based, rice-based, quinoa-based, but there's so many different sources of protein. Fiber, we're looking at things just like our fruits and our vegetables. We know all this. Please fast forward if you've never <laughs> needed to hear these things again. Uh, but we have our, our fruits, our vegetables, and we have our, what I'm going to say, higher soluble fiber starches, things like beans, potatoes, uh, oats. Those can definitely end up supporting digestion a little bit more as that slower digesting um, gel forming type of fiber is going to be beneficial. But combining these two um, foods in a larger amount and usually a higher protein, higher fiber diet will largely include something like protein, uh, maybe 30, somewhere to even 50 grams of protein per meal. Uh, if your jaw just dropped to the floor, it's time to reassess um, how much protein you might need per meal because um, we have to kick off muscle protein synthesis. We have to make sure it's right for you. Even 0.26 grams of protein per pound per meal is a great place to start. That might be more than you end up thinking right now, but 0.26 grams of protein per pound. Um, and even looking at fiber, right? When we look at something like um, dietary guidelines, what's going to be said is that four or more grams of fiber is considered high fiber. But when we really Really break this down and know that something like a you know 30 grams of fiber can be very beneficial right 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day can be helpful if we're having three meals and they're four grams of fiber each well we're only going to get 12 grams in that's well less than what we're talking about so we might have to bump that up so now we're looking at maybe seven to ten grams of fiber per meal that could end up being something like you know two handfuls of some higher soluble kind of vegetable just like carrots broccoli brussels sprouts um asparagus. Uh, It could be some sort of fruits that are higher in soluble fiber, things just like berries, mango, apricots, oranges. Um, And just like starch I mentioned before, things just like our beans, our legumes, things just like our our oats and also potatoes. We can include all those foods and make a higher fiber diet. So think about your meals for higher protein, higher fiber. Try to get somewhere between 30 and 50 grams of protein. Then make sure that we're starting to get 7 to 10 grams of fiber. Make sure that we're pushing that envelope and, you know, redefining what it means to eat beneficially, right? Optimize nutrition, uh, making sure that we are doing things first that need to be done before moving on to, you know, even starting to demonize another food. Are those foods first and foremost within part of your eating uh, strategies? Got it? Is that cool? So a little background in terms of what high protein, high fiber diets are, right? But here we want to understand how can they benefit physical and mental performance? And then what are the challenges that someone with ADHD might end up coming across? So for someone that's just looking to benefit from, you know, improving body composition and performance, just listen here, maybe stop halfway through if you really want to keep listening. If you need a little more support, 
And so here, let's make sure we understand protein fiber, right? How is it going to benefit physical performance? Well, number one is going to be your muscle building and repair. I'm going to keep looking at my notes here so I don't miss any points. While we talk about this all the time, I want to make sure that I'm not leaving anything out. But muscle building and repair, right? Protein is going to be essential for muscle growth and repair, making sure that we're getting enough protein, repairing things just like those strands of muscle and, um, uh, you know, those muscle fibers that we're tearing as we go through resistance training and even uh, more endurance training. Um, if it is strenuous enough on the body, uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, kicking off muscle protein synthesis, even in moments where we are aging, right? Because as we get older, we are actually breaking down muscle as well. So muscle building and repair, making sure that we have enough protein really coming in, right? Because when we engage in these physical activities, just like strength training, endurance exercises, right? Protein will end up providing that amino, those amino acids that are going to be needed to build and repair muscle tissue. And aside here, making sure there's going to be many amino acids that make up a complete protein, but one in particular, leucine, is really going to help kick off muscle protein synthesis. So there are so many things that we want to make sure that we're doing to bring in that protein. And especially if you're someone looking to build muscle, you are in a hypertrophy kind of moment, you need to make sure that you're bringing in enough protein there. Okay, got it? Because this is crucial for improving physical performance. And in just making sure you recover enough to get back into the next workout. So important. How do you know you're not eating enough protein? How do you know maybe you're under fueling? How do you know you're overtraining? If you feel as if your energy, your explosiveness, your strength is starting to decline over time. If you feel like your overall um, uh, recovery is starting to decline, where your soreness is now starting to linger and it's stopping you or it's hindering you from getting into your next workout efficiently. If your hunger is just not controlled whatsoever, you might be eating too little protein or too little calories or just overtraining in general, okay? But why else would we end up including protein, high protein, high fiber, right? Satiety and weight management. Number two, satiety and weight management. Feelings of fullness can definitely help make sure that we find a calorie deficit just a little bit easier, right? Protein, fiber, they both help increase feelings of fullness and satiety. Why is it helpful? Well, it's helpful because it's going to end up aiding in weight management because it's helping you reduce overall calorie intake. Because here in this podcast, in this evidence-based podcast with this dietitian that understands uh, evidence-based nutrition, we are focusing on the energy, energy balance, making sure that we understand that calories in, calories out are a real thing. It's not the only thing, but it's going to be what is going to uh, support body fat loss. We have to find an appropriate calorie deficit for individuals. Um, anyway, not going to get too far into that and looking at things that end up not being so evidence-based, but just making sure we know high protein, high fiber, the benefits of this, it's going to aid in weight management Um by making sure that we can stay fuller longer, right? Increase satiety, which is then going to help reduce overall calorie intake, prevent overconsuming, overeating at certain times. This shuts down biological hunger. It shuts down the natural innate hunger for us to be driven to end up eating. We've all felt that before. And what this is going to help do, right? It's going to help as we maintain a healthier, beneficial weight as we maintain a body fat loss percentage that is more in line with the performance that we want to achieve and more in line with the body composition that we want. That's going to be different for everyone. Uh, and lower does not always mean better. 
but maintaining a healthy weight can positively impact um, physical performance for sure. And then I wanna make sure we understand it's going to improve health if we are at a healthy weight. Usually we're looking at body fat percentage. I'd rather look there because especially in this very active population that I tend to see, we can't just focus on weight. We know this, we got it, okay? But usually body fat percentage, we can usually focus somewhere between, for men, 10 to 20%, right? And if you're above 20% body fat, well, just getting below 20% is gonna be good. We can then talk about where, where you have to be for uh, beneficial body composition, uh, aesthetic looks that you kind of want. Women between 18 and 28%. It's going to be a little bit different between men and women, right? Because women are going to have a higher body fat percentage because of how amazing their bodies are um, from a biological standpoint. Um, and so I want to make sure it's something here where we understand that we can look at weight and it definitely is something that is going to benefit us, uh, but focus on body composition from a body fat percentage standpoint, right? Men, 10 to 20% body fat, women, 18 to 28%. This is something you can do uh, in an in, on an in-body, in a DEXA scan. If you have access to a bod pod, do it. And usually what we're going to look for is that sometimes that lower body fat percentage, not down to 10 and below, right? Those kind of numbers could easily just be reserved for individuals that are strictly say, you know, maybe they're modeling, maybe they're doing a stage competition, but you do not need to be that low and it's really hard to maintain. A, a healthier lifestyle or just an easier lifestyle uh, when your body fat goes that low. But even 13, 15% body fat is great for um, even professional athletes that can help with performance, right? But anyway, let's leave that aside. Because uh, all I want to make sure we're getting the point across here is that your high protein, high fiber diet is going to benefit you because uh, it's going to help keep you fuller longer, help with that uh, that that body fat maintenance um, and even loss uh, kind of area. Let's then kind of third and lastly here talk about energy levels, right? Because when we eat higher protein, when we eat higher fiber, this is maybe where the crowd comes in that starts screaming like a calorie isn't a calorie. Well, okay, I understand what you're trying to get at, but a calorie is still a calorie. What you're mentioning is that calories in certain foods are going to work with our bodies differently. So higher protein, higher fiber diets, higher fiber, higher protein food choices, those can definitely help with energy levels. Now, how can they do that? They can help with energy levels because not only are they going to provide calories, but it definitely can help you just make sure that you are uh, giving yourself a more controlled blood sugar so that you are having the slow drip of um, of, of energy throughout the day as well, right? When we have these high, these swings of high blood sugar and low blood sugar, that's where we can feel a little bit off. We're not going to feel as if we can kind of stay in it mentally, even physically as much sometimes too. There's benefits to having a spike in blood sugar for a lot of athletes, in fact, right? Um, but what we want to make sure we're not doing is having those kind of throughout the day, have it around performance, have it around activities. That's great. But we have to understand how it might end up affecting us when we're not as active as well. So high protein, high fiber helps control blood sugar, helps slow down the absorption of, of a lot of these foods, and it's going to benefit you for that, right? So uh, just making sure that we are nailing that home, right? Because high protein, high fiber, again, it can enhance things like endurance and stamina. It's going to allow you to perform at your best during physical activities and also mentally throughout the rest of your day when you get to work or you're with your family, uh, which is a great bridge because how do high protein and high fiber diets not just benefit physical activity, but mental performance as well? Let's make sure we touch on those things because we have to put purpose behind this. So think about cognitive function. 
crown your cognition. I'll keep saying that because it's going to be my message and also how I'm going to try to make sure that we are understanding how to put the brain first, remembering to do it. It's a great reminder. Crown your cognition. Uh, so cognitive function with high protein, high fiber diets, right? Uh, food choices that are going to be high in protein, high in fiber. And again, High in protein is definitely going to be somewhere closer to 30 to maybe even 50 grams of protein per meal. It could be higher for a larger individual on the lower end for a smaller individual. Usually 0.26 grams of protein per pound is a great uh, jumping off point to understand how much you might need per meal. But high protein, high fiber, and remember, fiber in a meal should be somewhere between 7 and 10 grams. That can be most beneficial. But when we do high protein and we do high fiber in a meal, we can support cognitive function. Crown your cognition. Put your cognition first. It is brain-centered nutrition, right? Because that's going to help with everything we're trying to achieve here. But cognitive function, mental clarity, those are things that high protein, high fiber can definitely benefit with, right? Protein provides amino acids, as, as I've said before, and those are going to be the precursors to things like your neurotransmitters. And you are familiar with some of them, right? I'd say largely things like dopamine, serotonin. Um, but those are going to play a large factor in, uh, in mood, um, and making sure that we are feeling motivated, we're feeling driven, uh, maybe that we're feeling uh, good so that we can accomplish the tasks that we want to, making us more emotionally flexible because many individuals with ADHD, which I guess I'm getting ahead of myself here, uh, are going to feel a little bit of a challenge with emotional regulation. And so underfed or a lower protein, lower fiber diet can definitely challenge the body and brain um, with that, right? So less neuro neurotransmitters to get you through the day. Uh, number two, I kind of touched on this with physical performance and it's so necessary here, but it's going to be stable blood sugar, right? High fiber foods are going to lessen that negative impact that many people associate with just carbohydrate intake, right? Carbohydrate being vegetables, fruits, starches, but when we can, when we want to eat those foods and make sure that we're getting carbohydrate necessary for uh, more um, uh, more physically active individuals, and also your brain, like when you're thinking more, having carbohydrate available is necessary. We're not talking about a high carbohydrate diet here. In this one case, right, could be great for one individual, right, depending on what they're doing for activity. But we're talking about how we can have carbohydrate and, and just control blood sugar. Simple, high protein, high fiber. Come on. We've heard this before and we know it, but we want to fight against this sometimes, right? But high fiber, high, uh, high protein foods, um, they are going to help regulate blood sugar levels, as I mentioned before, but they are going to slow down digestion. It will kind of slow drip some of that carbohydrate into our bloodstream, into our muscles, hit our brain and all that kind of stuff too, instead of having these large hits, right? It's the difference between drinking, say, orange juice and having it rush into your intestine and then rush into your bloodstream versus eating an orange that's going to have fiber in it versus having an orange with some, I don't know, Greek yogurt, you know, with some eggs, uh, that's going to slow down that digestion even further. And then obviously protein benefits are going to come with that. But doing this can definitely help prevent energy crashes. It can help prevent mood swings. It can uh, promote uh, mental clarity, mental focus and concentration, which a lot of the ADHD individuals are going to struggle with. But anybody wants that. 
Anyone not want that? Raise your hand if you don't want those things, right? So this is where all this kind of stuff can definitely benefit almost anybody. Um, I want to talk about an another one here, which is definitely about mental clarity further. But you may have heard people talk about brain fog. And so what I want to make sure that we understand here is that diets that are going to be higher in things that are going to be highly processed foods, uh, foods that are going to be, let's just associate that with more snack foods or foods that are going to be lower in protein, lower in fiber, higher in sugar, higher in um, uh, uh, in, uh, in refined carbohydrates, things that will digest a lot quicker, hit the bloodstream faster, bring on those, uh, those, those blood sugar spikes and those lows too, right? Those type of foods, those can lead to what we call brain fog, right? Just not thinking as clearly. And that can bring on more mental fatigue. And I'm going to even go further and say almost emotional fatigue, if that's the case. And so a diet that is going to focus on Protein and fiber can help reduce these symptoms, even if you want to bring some of those foods in there. Let's talk about pretzels. Let's talk about Cheetos. Let's talk about Doritos. Let's talk about uh, oven, um, <laughs> those cooked at home pizzas. I don't know what they are. Uh, let's mention some things from my childhood, things just like Hot Pockets, right? Um, but those foods, those tend to be higher in um in lower fiber carbohydrates, higher saturated fat foods. And so what I would love to make sure that we understand is that those foods brought in after we've really optimized or we prioritize other high protein, high fiber foods are going to be great. Someone binging on something like Doritos. Okay, well, let's put some Doritos on that plate. But let's also make sure that we're going to have some of those, uh, those, those grilled chicken thighs along with some of that, uh, the roasted asparagus there. And now we have some Doritos right there. Does that not sound good? That's cool. Not a problem. But we want to make sure that we think about how we can be inclusive instead of so restrictive at all times. But we can reduce uh, what we're calling brain fog right now and improve mental clarity, focus attention by making sure that we can reduce some of those while also increasing the higher protein, higher fiber foods. Got it? Cool. Four, how can that high protein, high fiber diet positively impact your uh, mental clarity or just your cognition, right? Emotional well-being. I want to hit this home so bad. A lot of the symptoms I know that for myself I end up having are more emotionally uh, challenged, right? Emotional regulation, having highs and lows, emotional triggers, not knowing how to deal with certain situations, which bring on so much mental fatigue. It is a thing. Now, everyone feels that, right? It's just at such a high level that can be almost debilitating, um, which is an excuse, right? We just have to find our way to navigate the world with that and find solutions that work for us. But when we think about the high protein, high fiber, this is going to help really include, uh, as long as we have adequate protein, right? We're talking about 30 to 50 grams of protein. It's just a good jumping off starting point, right? And higher fiber too, it is going to be linked with or it's going to be associated with just emotional well-being, feeling better. And this kind of brings us back to the neurotransmitters, things like dopamine, serotonin, right? Uh, just a lot of uh, ways for us to just feel better where we need to, right? Um, anxiety, depression, those are kind of areas that can end up being reduced or at least positively affected, right? And that overall is going to help with that mental performance. We're not going to perform well when our emotions are hitting those highs and lows, when we're not getting enough protein to develop those neurotransmitters, when we're not getting enough fiber to control blood sugar spikes. Does it all come together? Does it all make sense? High protein, high fiber will benefit performance and also our mental performance, right? Physical and mental performance, making sure that we get it. All right, so nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes. 
So this is what we want to make sure. Why would an adult with ADHD struggle? Or maybe you're not even someone who has ADHD. Maybe you're someone who's like, you know what? I've even been tested. I don't have ADHD. I don't have any um, any challenges with any of those um, any of those cognitive performance uh, issues at all. I don't end up having challenges kind of with clarity or organization, even memory, right? So adults with ADHD can struggle with the high protein, high fiber diet, just clear. It's just, it will happen. And so what we want to make sure we understand the why, right? So understand the why, and then let's put some of those solutions in there. I know that we're going on like 22 minutes. So, hey, pause this. If you definitely need a break, take a break, come right back. Um, but what I want to make sure we talk about are why a high protein, high fiber diet, although so beneficial, can be so hard for that individual with ADHD, right? Executive functioning challenges. Why will high protein, high fiber diet maybe be challenging for someone with ADHD? Well, it is coming down to, I think, such a an obvious thing, which is your executive functioning challenges, right? ADHD often is going to involve executive functioning deficits, right? And so this is going to make things just like planning, preparing meals harder. And especially things like if someone, like a dietitian like myself, gives you a full book of recipes that have 35 ingredients and it's going to take maybe 45 minutes each and it's just going to be overwhelming. So we want to make sure that we understand here that we reduce the time, reduce the effort, reduce the ingredients, make it a little bit more straightforward, find ways to cut down on those, and then we're going to be able to eat a high-protein and high-fiber diet just a little bit easier. That might be making sure that we aren't asking someone to make lasagna, but it could be something where we utilize something like a frozen lasagna, but we then cook up something like a, a really easy protein or have something like a pre-prepared protein in the fridge just to put next to the, uh, just on the side of it, right? That can be very simple. Number two here is going to be impulsivity. Why is that hard? Why would impulsivity challenge a high protein, high fiber diet strategy? Well, it's a common trait, first of all, with adults with ADHD and also children, but we focus on adults here. But that can lead to impulsive food choices. And bringing back to what I just said before about the executive functioning challenges, if something feels overwhelming and you're not going to want to cook, you can't cook, it just is going to take too much time, you can't even figure out how to plan around that, you have so much going on, the impulsivity can hit really quickly. And now what's going to happen is that we're going to make different food choices. And likely, we're going to choose foods that might end up, quote unquote, making us feel better in the short term, because we're going to maybe grab foods, maybe crunchy foods, things that are going to be high in salt and high in sugar, things that are going to be high in carbohydrate that might end up allowing us to feel a little bit better quickly with, our, with the dopamine or serotonin surge. But we want to make sure that we don't allow this to become an overwhelming habit. So making sure that we can do everything we can to break down meal times, put snacks in front of us that are going to help, not be so restrictive and say you can't, you can't eat that or you can't have that. You got to take it out of your house, kick it out. But making sure that we make things easier for you so that you don't need to be so impulsive or that when you do feel impulsive, that you can have a backup strategy. All right, number three, a lot of times I think as adults, we've maybe figured this out for ourselves a little bit more, but it's still something that is very relevant to uh, what we're talking about here. And that's going to be sensi sensory sensitivities, different textures, flavors, all those kind of things, right? Because some individuals with ADHD, and you might even not, again, have ADHD, and you're like, yeah, there's some things I just don't like in my mouth. 
Uh, but some individuals are going to have sensory sensitivities, and those are going to really affect their their food preferences. And so telling someone to eat chicken and broccoli, yeah, one, it could be boring, first of all. But number two, maybe they just don't like the flavor, the texture, the taste, all those things of something like chicken, the smells of that. That can definitely end up throwing someone off. Or a lot of individuals with ADHD, we can be very hyper-focused on a certain meal. I mean, making it uh, you know, time and time again. It could have gone for three weeks, six weeks, and all of a sudden, we just don't like it anymore. So you have to be ready for a different change there, right? So just making sure that we can um, think about certain textures, right? Making sure certain flavors can definitely change. Backups to know that we can uh, bring something different in. But of course, that can just make it challenging. So as long as we're ready for it, we can then make sure that high protein, high fiber can be that much more appealing. All right. So those are the challenges to a high protein, high fiber diet. So again, this episode now going over 30 minutes, please pause and come back if you need to. It's definitely fine. Take a deep breath. But we talked about this meat and potatoes episode, the benefits of high protein, high fiber diets in uh, physical and mental performance. Great, do it. If you have no issues doing it, make it happen. But when we end up having the ADHD individual, those challenges, the executive functioning challenges, the impulsivity, the sensory um, sensitivities, those things are going to make it harder. So we just need solutions for it. All right. So last part of this episode that I want to make sure that you can feel for sure are the solutions, these practical strategies for yourself. They might not all work at once. They might not work at all. And that's okay. We just got to find different ones. But I want to make sure that I can give you some, at least three quick little options for you to think about, to make sure that you don't run into those, those hard, hard moments, right? But to make high protein and fiber diet more practical for adults with ADHD and anyone that's just finding a challenge with it, these might not be mind-blowing and that's cool. But three, I'm going to name three. Number one, we're going to do meal planning and prepping. Okay, got it. All right, all right, all right, all right. Maybe it's not the most mind-blowing, like I said, but it's so necessary to think about how this happens and break down the process of meal planning and preparation, smaller, manageable steps, making sure that we don't think we have to do it all at once, maybe choosing foods that are already pre-prepared for us too. I like to break a lot of um, people down into how they are best going to um, apply uh, prep and planning. Uh, meal planning and preparation. I like to think as of an individual, one, as the creator. Someone loves to make recipes. Maybe at a certain point, point of the month or a certain point of the week. Like I will, make a, I will make a larger recipe on a Monday. Don't ask me to do it on Thursday. Uh, some, someone, number two, that might end up being someone that I call a base prepper, where they love to just uh, do kind of the, 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 the front steps of food prep. So they're going to cook up a batch of cooked chicken, hard-boiled eggs, maybe some like grilled tofu at once, cut it up and have it in the fridge, right? Have maybe two pounds of each in the fridge, and then have three bases. So something like a salad, you can grab a, um, a serving of, maybe bag salad, a frozen vegetable, in fact, something that you can reach in the fridge and just kind of pair with your protein. That's a base prepper in my mind. And then there's a full prepper that usually is going to be someone that's going to utilize something like a meal delivery service. And all can work, all are great, and all are going to, are, are going to be a solution to someone either a uh, longer part of their month or year or week, uh, or maybe it's just going to be for you know a certain day that's going to be more helpful as things get busier for someone. But meal planning and prepping, that has to be something that we focus on. But first of all, breaking down that process. When are you going to food shop? What are you going to cook first? What are you going to prepare second? I want all those things to end up being uh, ideas that come in. But prep ingredients 
in advance is always a helpful thing. I have cut fruit. I have cut vegetables inside the fridge for the kids, for myself. If I'm snacking, I can go in there and grab it really quickly so that I have that first before I move on to something else that might be less beneficial for me, but still delicious. Um, but prepping those ingredients in advance can save so much time and just make it easier to put together those meals quickly, right? Use tools like meal planning tools. I have those for my clients. I love to print out certain things for them, or I will give them access to some of my tools to find different recipes that work. I love to find recipes that have less than five ingredients that can be made in less than 30 minutes that tend to be closer to like 500 to 600 calories. I have a list of those that are very helpful. Um, and that is how I support my clients when they need that, right? Other times, maybe something different. All right, number two, what is going to be a practical strategy to support the ADHD individual when we're talking about high protein and high fiber diets? Simple and convenient options. Kind of similar to number one here. But if we don't talk about it, or missing a really important point, right? But simple and convenient options. I want you to think of simple and convenient high protein and high fiber sources, right? Stock your kitchen, stock your pantry. I don't have a lot of space here. I'm not going to go to Costco. You know why? I can't, I can't bring home all of those portions, but I can make sure that I have enough for my kitchen for what we need for my family of four, right? So I'm going to stock the kitchen with easy to prepare items. Like I mentioned, cut vegetables, canned, uh, canned beans, at least for us, right? We're going to, we're going to cook chicken breast in batches. We're going to have Greek yogurt ready to go. Uh, I will, um, uh, buy smaller portions of things or rather pre-portioned snack uh, bags for the kids' lunches. I will make sure that I'm boiling a bunch of hard-boiled eggs all at once. But those kind of things will definitely help us. Um, even taking, like, let's even go the other direction for a second, even not high-protein, high-fiber, but part of a meal. Even just getting, you know, we'll order some extra pizza and we'll just wrap up those slices and put them in the freezer so that we can just quickly take those, pop them in the oven, and the kids can have that as part of their dinner along with some, you know, uh, some carrot sticks and maybe some yogurt on the side. So we want to make sure that we make things quick and easy, simple and convenient options. Um, and this sometimes, it, when someone kind of really can't think of anything else, I love meal delivery services. I know there's two here that we end up utilizing. Maybe we'll talk about them in a future episode, but I'm always looking for a good good pricing. I'm going, always always looking for uh, good delivery options, right? Enough times throughout the week and also obviously quality. And so there are two that I always turn to for that. Um, last thing about that is I want to make sure that you don't forget about frozen vegetables, frozen fruits, frozen meals, because a lot of these foods can actually be higher in nutrients as they're flash frozen. We may have heard this before, but making sure that we bring those in, even making a smoothie, just making sure we can do a microwavable vegetable instead. Make your life simple. We love bagged uh, rice, in fact. We love to do, you know, there's... Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. We can do just things like bagged rice. It's really simple uh, for us. Now, the third... This is going to be something. How can we make protein and fiber, high protein, high fiber diets easier for the individual in the individual with ADHD? I'm looking at the time here and I feel like I'm trying to rush to get it done, but I'm not. I'm going to slow down. Take a breath. The third year is so important. But I think what we have to make sure when we're thinking high protein, thinking high fiber, we have to practice mindful eating. All right. Maybe it sounds so simple and almost to ad nauseum here. But practicing mindful eating to make sure that we can really stay aware of these food choices, how they make us feel. Why is that important? Because it helps us as individuals with ADHD put the why behind it. Ooh, that food makes me feel better when I eat it. That food maybe tastes better. Maybe it's better texture. Who knows? 
But when we can spend time with how food tastes, how food feels, how it smells, right? How it affects us in the moment and even after. We can put more purpose behind how we're eating. The mindful eating starts there. Choose slower. Spend more time with it. Make your environment uh, at home a little bit easier. Don't eat in front of the TV as you're distracted. Take away the computer so you're not working. But be mindful so you understand what works and what doesn't. It's going to, it's going to, help you make the decision quicker in the future of what works and what doesn't for you and what you're going to do. So there's just less guessing because the more we have to think, the more we're probably not going to do what we need to, right? So slow down, slow down mealtimes, chew your food thoroughly, savor those flavors. This is going to help with impulsivity for sure. It's going to promote so much more thoughtful, deliberate, food choices, not just now, but in the future. So you know, again, what tastes good, what feels good, what makes you feel good, all of those things. So turn off the TVs, get in front of your family, eat food at a pace where you can kind of feel it and enjoy it. Set up the environment in a positive way. All right. Just remember that I want to use the word consistency. I know that's challenging, but I want to make sure here that consistency and patience in this space is so necessary and that those are two key things that we have to keep in mind when making uh, dietary changes that support our body composition goals, our performance goals, our mental um, performance goals as well, right? So start with small steps, please. One thing, what's one thing you can take away from today? Gradually, please incorporate more. Start with one meal. Start with one food. Start with just bringing your protein to the lowest possible area that you can. Just bring it even to like 25 grams. Try to even get to 100 grams in a day. Try to get to five grams of fiber in a meal. Work in one more vegetable all those things are going to help in the long run. But overall, please ask for support, whether it's me, whether it's another dietitian, but just someone who cares and understands the challenges, the challenges that are special to you with ADHD. All right. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. We're going to end it right there for now. Um, but hey, great meat and potatoes episode, really bridging that gap. If you see me doing this right now, bringing my hands together, trying to meet meet each other on, on both sides there, right? So um, hey, come back, please. Next episode, do me a favor though. If you could like and share this episode with someone else that you know that is going to benefit from this content, just keep their mind open just a little bit more. Please do that. Screenshot this, post it on your stories please like, comment. It's going to help me create more content to help more individuals. And that is my goal. (laughs) I love you listening and I'm so grateful for you. I love you all. Hey, I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.